0: Well, our state representatives are back at it again, back at the state capitol in a special General Assembly session deciding how they'll spend millions of our taxpayer money. What kind of impact is this going to have on our families and our schools? Also, we've got a special update for you on the Virginia March for Life. Welcome to Speak Up, Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From The Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Before we get started today, I thought it might be kind of fun just to talk about some things other than the policy we work on all the time and the headlines we're reading, and just talk about maybe some different kind of reading or commentary that we've been seeing outside of work that's given us a fresh perspective on things. Uh, Victoria, what have you been hearing or reading lately that's given you a little bit different way to think about
1: things? Well, I actually got handed a book by one of our people at an event, and it's actually her own life story. And it's a pretty dramatic story. She was a prostitute. She was on drugs. She had an abortion. But then it's all about the redemption. It's all about finding Jesus and how her life has been afterwards. What have you been reading?
0: Well, I actually just for some random reason picked up The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. And, you know, in in some ways it's pretty dark reading and kind of macabre, but on the other hand, there's some interesting philosophy that he ties into it. And there's this one part that really caught my attention where he describes uh, the moral climate regulators or police coming to Mars after we've set up a colony there. And he describes how their kind of control started small with one piece of legislation and then just expanded. And he talked about at the root of all that, um, there being fear. People were afraid of things. So I thought, wow, what would this author say if he were alive today and just saw our woke, you know, cancel culture that I wonder what his commentary would be?
1: Yeah, I actually love him as an author, and I think he was way ahead of his time. I mean, the things that he put in fiction that we feel today, that we see them differently, but they are unfortunately a little too similar to his fiction novels. I don't
0: know it just seems like god almost gifts some writers to almost serve as like prophets even if they're not necessarily christians they sort of have a prophetic role
1: i have no idea what his faith is but he got it figured out in some ways unfortunately what to be looking for in a in a futuristic society
0: getting back into the real world where facts can be more disturbing than fiction sometimes let's talk about what's going on in our general assembly special session What should people know, Victoria, about what's happening there? First of all, why are they having a special session again? And how might this impact our families?
1: Well, yeah, this is a special session that is supposed to be deciding how to spend $4.3 billion that our state received in federal COVID funding relief. So, of course, this has impact on schools and families and businesses and entire healthcare care systems. Um, but I will tell you, it has been pretty disturbing just watching the whole process. Um, this has been the biggest example of uh, what happens when um, sort of the government turns into sort of one party rule or there's one party making all the decisions because they've basically not allowed uh, the other party to even make amendments or actually have any successful changes to their ideas.
0: Yeah, I guess our founding fathers had the right idea with the whole checks and balances ideas. And, you know, having two parties in different arms of the government does help with that. We don't really have that right now. Um, So it sounds like they shut down any kind of debate really on some important topics, including I know there, there were some measures proposed addressing what we see going on in our schools right now with critical race theory debates and the whole transgender teaching controversy. Um, I know that some conservatives tried to address those things, but it didn't really see the light of day, right?
1: Yeah, so in the House, the other party tried to basically introduce an entirely different budget just to say, hey, here's our ideas in one package. They got two minutes to debate that. But in the Senate, they did try some actual amendments on things that really matter, like critical race theory, for example, saying they proposed basically an amendment that said, it was just like Idaho's law, um, that prohibits public school students from being forced to affirm or adhere to teachings. Basically, that would um, say that any race or ethnicity is superior in any way or inferior in any way. And so they they tried to put that forward, and of course, like all the other amendments, it, it failed.
0: Yeah, I see they also ignored proposals to eliminate a previous law requiring schools to adopt this very controversial transgender issue policy from the Department of Education. Um, and despite that, their efforts to try to um, salvage that situation because we've been seeing a lot of school boards across the state pretty much rebelling against that. And so I guess they tried to address that, but that didn't go anywhere either. But even so, we are seeing some good news on that front. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so the good news, even though it didn't get into the budget and they were, I mean, I am pleased people were putting it forward and trying, but the good news is we have had a court decision since then. And um, basically in the lawsuit that the Family Family Foundation brought with our partner organization, the Founding Freedoms Law Center, we had a judge, um, even though he didn't give our plaintiff standing. So we had parents that basically said, we're going to be harmed by these policies. And even though he said, we don't think there's actual harm yet, He admitted, first of all, he admitted that this is only guidance. He said, the reason I don't see harm is because a school board doesn't have to pass this exact policy. So that kind of green lighted all of our counties that don't wanna do this to to not do it. And then during the court hearing, what was really great was the attorney general's office defending themselves. They actually said in court that no funding will be taken from a locality or the state won't stop any funding from coming to a locality simply because they don't choose to adopt these. So it's a pretty big deal because now localities can continue to move forward in faith that they don't think this is the right thing for their community.
0: Yeah. Just to be clear, here is our state attorney general's office trying to defeat the lawsuit we brought defending parents, the harm that they would have if these policies are adopted. And they're trying to defeat those efforts from our lawsuit by saying oh, we're not going to um, defund school boards or anything if they don't do this. This so- is the
1: funny thing. They want to have it both ways. They want to pass a yeah. law and tell you you have to do it. But then when you challenge that, they want to say, oh, no, we're just kidding. You won't lose funding if you don't do it. It's um, I get a little tired of government playing both sides. But either way, we, we win because these localities should choose to do what's best for the kids. So we've
0: been putting the word out. Let's take the judge at his word. This is Mayor Guidance. Um, And I am thrilled to say that there are school boards that we now see this trend of at least, I think last count, seven school boards that are either rejecting this or just taking no action and deciding that what they already have on the books is good enough to protect students and they don't have to go to this radical place of actually violating parental rights or creating situations that aren't safe for for students' safety and privacy. So that is a good thing. If you want to know more about that, visit our website, familyfoundation.org/slash protect every kid. Thanks for tuning in if you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, another thing we for sure wanna get to today are some exciting updates on Virginia's annual March for Life. Tell us about what's going on with that, Victoria.
1: Yeah, we are so glad to be back with the March for Life. You know, with COVID, things got a little off. So when you don't have a legislature that's meeting, it's hard to have a rally to then make a point to them. And so we couldn't do our normal thing at the normal time. But we are really gearing up for what's going to be a great showing for everybody who stands for life to come out at the Capitol and and really make a statement. Because remember, legislators will be a part of it. There'll be media watching. And we've got to keep this relevant. We've got to keep this in front of them because we're further off than we've ever been as a Commonwealth on really having a culture that honors the unborn.
0: That's right. I really feel like now is a key time to really firm up this tradition and have visual representation because we're at a key point in our state right now, like you're saying, where they've made reversals in pro-life protections that are really serious. So I feel like in order. send a strong message, this year needs, you know, we need to represent this year.
1: Yeah, like, absolutely. And I think it, it can't be said enough, um, there's some interesting significance to the date that we've chosen. So it's Friday, September 17th. And what's going on that day, a lot of people know it because it's Constitution Day. So what a better day to pick. It's the day our founding fathers signed and formalized the US Constitution. But also this year in Virginia, it happens to be the first day of early voting, right? So we now have in Virginia a system where we're allowed to vote um, ahead of time, even if we're not gonna be physically absent on election day. And so we're really hoping to encourage pro-lifers to come out And if they're not already registered to vote, they can register. They're still within that registration season. But if they are registered and they know their candidates already, don't wait till November. Let's get this thing done so we can get pro-life votes logged. We have a governor's race, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and the entire House of Delegates. And those people are the ones that are going to affect the pro-life policy that we want to see reversed.
0: Well, you're getting me excited about this. What do you think are some of the other biggest themes that we'll see for this year's March?
1: Yeah, well, we're definitely going to focus on the fact that our commonwealth is sending so much money to the abortion industry. So we are now funding the abortion industry to the tune of like $6 million of contracts. That is devastating. And it is fungible money. It goes, you know, for abortion. And even if they claim it goes for something else, it just all moves around and helps them stay strong and continue to take the lives of the unborn and market that as if it's normal to our commonwealth. And so we want to cut that off. And a, and a new governor could make that change as soon as we get to January and then of course there's reversing all the laws I mean you mentioned you know we're not in a good spot and and what it is is we need to get back 24-hour waiting period we need to get back where women have a right to see their ultrasound these were common-sense things that have been in our laws for a decade now almost and people are devastated to see them gone because women are getting pressured into abortion they're not getting all the facts and so we're gonna really focus on that
0: well, I know people listening to this are wondering, all right, how do I get involved? And I know an important thing would be for churches to get buses of people to this, right?
1: Absolutely. Don't come alone. Bring the people that you worship with, bring the people that you know are passionate about this issue. So yes, we we usually have just droves of buses that come down to the the march. And it gives you an opportunity to kind of unite together. We actually have a lot of schools that come to the march. So it's pretty, if you've got a Christian school, we have schools that bring buses down to the march. Um, It's a great civic opportunity for your kids, to be honest with you. And I think that's incredibly important that we get our children to understand why it's important to take a stand even when they're younger. Um, So the pro life. Marches are actually t- typically known for having a lot of younger folks at the march. So definitely bring your bring your church. And the easiest thing for people to do is really to go to our website and understand how it all works. So if you just go to familyfoundation.org, there's a banner that talks about the March for Life. And if you click on that, that's gonna tell you, okay, well, if I was gonna bring a bus, how would I know what to do? And it gives you a spot to register your bus and then your bus will get information about where to park. So it's got all those kind of details. But essentially the most important thing is you need to mark that day, September 17th, put it on your calendar, plan to be there, and then start figuring out how can I bring everybody with me?
0: Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! I guess we all kind of knew it would come to this, that all these attempts to really just eliminate the meaning of male and female in our radical efforts to promote that gender doesn't mean anything and really promote gender confusion, that all this would eventually make its way to our birth certificates. And now it's happening. The policy arm of the American Medical Association has actually proposed that the public record of whether a baby is male or female be eliminated from the birth certificates.
1: Yeah, considering this is coming from what's long been considered one of the world's most respected medical organizations, the wording in this proposal is especially disturbing. It basically says that gender is a social construct, and it describes the way people identify themselves, but it basically makes the point that a person's gender identity might not always line up with their sex assigned at birth. So these are like two totally different things, and they might or might not match.
0: And that's the wording they use, their sex assigned at birth, which I find especially disturbing that we have doctors using that language, that terminology, because it's not based at all on scientific biological facts. This concept of sex being arbitrarily assigned from who knows where, that concept has no basis in truth or the simple reality that our sex is determined by God-designed DNA and chromosomes.
1: Well, there's a couple of problems with this, too. you got to remember, these are medical doctors, and biology actually does sometimes matter. So I'm unfortunately thinking of this case where a female identifying as a male delivered a stillborn baby because doctors didn't know that she, they didn't know that she was a she because she was claiming to be a he, and so they didn't run a pregnancy test. It kind of matters. But more than that, I think the other piece is we have to remember, this is how people lose faith in sort of science and in medical institutions, is because when they do ridiculous things, we have to start questioning, is everything they're doing a political agenda or is it actually based on fact? I guess
0: this means today's Inconceivable Award definitely has to go to the American Medical Association for letting political agendas take over even our children's birth certificates. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time, and don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.